uh, this week, uh, this week I was praying, which I try, anybody else try to do that on a regular basis? How many fail every once in a while as well, but try to do it, and just spending time with the Lord, I was feeling like the Lord was speaking to me, you're going to love this, about leaving leaven, leaving leaven, and I'm like, okay, and then I was dreaming about, how do you dream about leaving leaven? But Friday night, I went to, and I kept waking up, leave the leaven, leaving leaven, starting fresh, leave the leaven. And, and I just kept thinking of the McDonald's commercial, I'm loving it. And I just kept thinking, I'm loving it. And, and I'm not supposed to leaven it. I'm supposed to leave it. And I woke up that mor- uh, yesterday morning, and I'm drinking some coffee, and, and, and Beth and I are talking, and I'm like, man, the Lord is talking to me about leaving leaven. She's like, oh my goodness, he's been speaking to that to me this week. And since she wouldn't preach, I was trying to get out of, out of preaching, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to share a couple of principles about leaven that we see in God's Word. And if you're like, I don't even know what leaven is, I'll explain it as we go along. I'm going to, a couple of, uh, of principles about leaven from God's Word, and I'm going to give it to you to go, okay, what am I supposed to do with this in my life this week? Now, some of it's going to hit us collectively. Because when God's speaking to a group of people about leaving something behind, it's because he's leading them to a new opportunity. And that would be collectively. But there's also things that individually that he has for you. So before I get the verses up here, I'll get them up in a minute. I probably should give the background because it kind of takes a little background time to let you know what this leaven thing is all about. So God, I just ask that you would guide this moment, that you would be glorified, and Father, if there's stuff I don't need to talk about it, then, then help me just to move away from it. But that which you have for us today, I pray that we'll receive, we'll adhere to it. And um, just give, give your anointing in this moment, we pray. Everybody's going through different things, and they've got their minds on different things. I ask that you would help us to kind of focus in together right now to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so I'll just... I'll try to do the background as quickly as possible. Some of you love history. Some of you hate history. But let me just give you a little bit of background. You guys know the story that the Israelites spent a season of, of their history in Egypt. Actually, over 400 years. They didn't go down there as slaves. They went there as free people. Joseph, who was, who was actually a Hebrew himself, was second in command to Pharaoh and so he took care of his family, his father, his brothers, all the wives, all the, the, his nieces and nephews. And Pharaoh gave them an area of land where they could live in. Do you remember the name of it? It's called the land of Goshen. And if you look up Goshen in the Hebrew, it literally means the place of drawing near. And it's really cool because uh, jo- Joseph put his family in the land of Goshen, and his dad was able to draw near to Joseph again for the end of their life. There was restoration of relationships, and it was there that they grew. Now, here's what happens, though. As time goes by, if we don't continue to network with one another, we will not know people that we need to know. And it said eventually there came a time that arose a Pharaoh who knew not of Joseph. That didn't mean he didn't know Joseph's name, but there wasn't relationship. He, he didn't know the power of the story. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be connecting our children and grandchildren to the power of this on a daily basis. Otherwise, it becomes head knowledge and not connectivity, okay? So there arose a Pharaoh that knew not of Joseph. He was uh, intimidated by how many Israelites there were, so he oppressed them. But the more he oppressed them, the more populated they became, all right? 
So God was blessing Israel. Moses comes along. Everybody knows the name Moses. What does Moses mean? Drawn out, which is interesting. He was named drawn out. He was drawn out of the Nile, and eventually God used him to draw the people out of the land of bondage to lead them to the promised land. So names are a big deal, and you know that. We talk about that a lot at Faith Chapel. So God raises up Moses. He grows up in the Pharaoh's house, but he knows that he's a Hebrew. And one day when he sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew, Moses responds and he kills the Egyptian. Should he have killed him? No. But does that give us an indication that something was brewing in Moses' life that he was going to free the Hebrews? Yeah. Just did it the wrong way. Worried for his own life, he fled and he took off and he went to the land of, what do they call it? Midian right? At the age of 40, he leaves Egypt, and he goes into isolation. He finds himself in Midian. He meets a nice shepherdess. They settle down. They have a couple of kids. He's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. What was his father-in-law's name? Anybody remember? Jethro, all right? He's taking care of Jethro's sheep. He spends 40 years in the wilderness. So, 40 years growing up in Egypt, most of it being pampered in the Pharaoh's house. Now 40 years in the wilderness, learning how to contend, how to fight the storms, how to battle the desert, how to take care of the sheep, and how to listen to the wisdom of his father-in-law. Every good man listens to the wisdom of his father-in-law. All right, so, and you'll notice my father-in-law and I have matching shirts today which means I've graduated to a whole new level of living that I wasn't quite prepared for yet. So I'm just a year away from the senior discount at McDonald's. All right, so I'll have an egg McMuffin for 49 cents. Anyway, listen to your father-in-law. He's taking care of the sheep. Moses sees this bush that's burning, but it, it's, not, it's not unusual to see a fire in the desert. It's very unusual to see a bush not burning up. And he goes over and he has an encounter with God and God speaks to him and says, I want you to go back and set the people free. Now, isn't it interesting? He tried to do it on his own, but now that God's calling him to do it, he kind of doesn't want to do it. And Moses, as scripture says, had a stuttering or a stammering problem. So you can imagine the conversation. It took longer than it should have because Moses couldn't get out his argument with the Lord. And he's like, I don't want to go. I can't even speak, which is probably why he tried to kill the first guy. It's easier to kill him than to talk to him, right? Set the people free. Tell them, no, I'll just kill them, Lord. It's a lot easier, all right? So, because it's hard to stutter with a punch, you know what I mean? Right? You're going to let the thing go. And he argues with the Lord, and the Lord says, listen, I get it. You're a little insecure about your position. I'll give you the word. You give the word to your brother. What was his brother's name? No, Aaron. Aaron in the original Hebrew. So, give, give the word to Aaron. And then he will speak to the Pharaoh. You'll be, I love this. Every older brother would love this. When God said to Moses, you'll be like God to Aaron. Wouldn't Gabriel love that? So, right? Every older brother's absolute desire, right? So God would speak to Moses. Moses would speak to Aaron. And Aaron would speak to Pharaoh. And you all know, plagues came upon Egypt. I mean, do you love the creativity of our father? He sent darkness, he sent flies, he sent boils, he sent gnats, he turned water into blood, hailstones. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And we finally get to the last moment. And God is ready for Pharaoh to let his people go. And so he gives a word and he says this. He goes, every firstborn's going to die. The entire nation, except for those that take the blood of a perfect lamb, 
and put it over the threshold of their home because when I see that blood, I'll pass over you. We talk about Passover every year. We talked about it this spring, and we understand what that's all about. But just to remind you, Passover was that moment that in the middle of judgment, God provided covering so his people would be kept safe. By the way, the Egyptians could have participated. They could have put the blood over their own. As a matter of fact, some of them must have because we find out later that there's, God's word says there was a rabble that traveled with the Israelites when they left Egypt. So obviously some people had been covered. The word must have got out. But the Lord gave the word, put the blood over the threshold, and I'm going to pass over you. Instead of having judgment, you'll have life. It's the same thing God does for us. Now, what does this have to do with starting fresh and leaving the leaven? It's a great question. So let's look in Exodus chapter 1. We'll begin with verse, I think it's verse 1 if I remember correctly. This is when God is preparing them for that Passover moment. And he says this, and I use the NIV, it's the most recent one. I like the 1984 better, but anyway, it says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Okay, don't skip past this. God, right in the middle of the year, it would be like the Lord speaking to us in September, or July, right? The calendar's rolling. We've all got things scheduled. School started, and the Lord goes, no, right now I'm starting something new. Today is the first day of the first month of your year. It starts now. Now, how do you know that's going to throw Apple crazy with the calendar system? Throw them crazy. When the Lord gives a fresh word to us that is this revolutionary, the best thing that we can do is align ourselves with it. And I, I'm sure they had to be thinking, why on earth do I start my calendar right now? We've already got a calendar. I know when my kids were born. I know when my mom died. I know when we memorialize our friends. We already have a calendar. And the Lord's saying, I don't want you looking back any longer. I want you looking forward first day, first month of your first year, and it begins now. Now, when he gives us this opportunity to start with something fresh, here's a thought. God doesn't need to wait for a new year to accomplish what he has promised. He can start a new year right now. I, I, I enjoy social media, and I hate social media at the same time. Anybody else feel, feel that way when it comes to social media? And I really don't care about somebody's New Year's resolution and all their hashtags of their workout January 1st and 2nd and 3rd. What's fun, though, is watching them fade away by February. I, honestly, it's a little depravity bit within me, but I begin to kind of enjoy that. Anybody else? You're like, oh, they're completely collapsing. All right. How many know that it's not really a New Year's resolution, it's a new January resolution that usually only makes it through January, right? If you're waiting, if it's September, what is today? Second, thanks Fuzzy. If it's September 2nd, and you're waiting until a new year to start your resolutions, why are you waiting when the Lord can give you a brand new start and a brand new opportunity right now and today could be the first day of the first month of the first year for whatever he has for you. Now, let's look in Exodus chapter 12. We're going to drop down to verses 14 and 15. This is the day you're to commemorate. And for the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Notice, 
this is referring to Passover, and it wasn't just a command that you have to have Passover. It was, guys, celebrate annually what I've done for you. Celebrate my goodness. For seven days, you're to eat bread made without yeast, which I agree, that's a little unusual as part of your celebration. What are you having at your party? Wings, smokies, quesadillas, and bread without yeast, right? I mean, it doesn't seem to really fit, but there's a reason for it. For seven days, you're to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, the first day of the month, remove all the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. So even though this is a celebration, God is serious enough about this. He's like, man, if people are partnering with yeast in this moment, don't celebrate with them because it means that they're not getting it. They're not obeying it, which is what? What is yeast? What is leaven? What does this have to do with anything? Are there any bakers in the house? I know Carol Rowden is. I've had her cinnamon rolls. Kennedy, I know you are. You raise money for missions. Um, so, and Aaron, the cake man. I, I'm, am I getting all of my sponsorships acknowledged? I want to make sure. All right. And, and muffins and more by Abigail. Thank you. And, and fr- yeah, right, no. All right. Anyway, if, you, if you're a baker and you need yeast, you can just go to the store and buy a packet, right? You can buy a packet of yeast and you put it into dough and that yeast helps to activate the dough. If you leave it out overnight, you might see that that dough is risen. Has anybody, has anybody ever done the friendship bread before? If you remember when the friendship bread grows around until you don't have any friends because you've all eaten so much bread that you hate each other, you know, and you're bloated constantly? We gained like, what was it, 37 pounds? Together we gained what, 127 pounds? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Um, when we had the friendship bread, right? And so, and, and you go get yeast because it activates. If the, if the bread's not activated, it doesn't rise. It's not good. But at the time that they were being delivered from Egypt, they couldn't run to the Walmart market and buy a package of, what's the name of that company? Fleshman's. Is that Jewish? Wouldn't that be appropriate while we're talking about this? All right. You can't go and get that packet of yeast. So you know what they did? When they made their dough for the day, they would pull off a portion of the dough and they would leave it out overnight. Now think about this, in hot conditions, not refrigerated, they would leave that dough out overnight and it would begin to ferment. And literally what would happen is then that portion of dough would become the activating, the leaven, the yeast for the next day's bread. So you, you, you make your bread, you lay aside your portion of dough, you have your, the next day you grab that portion, you put it in. See, we don't understand how powerful yeast is. It doesn't take all that much to work through a huge batch of dough. It can go through real quickly and provide life to that dough. So the Lord is saying, as part of this celebration, I don't want you to do that any longer. I want you to get... Now, here's the deal. When I think about this, it really brings up some points that I hope connect with your heart. How long had the Israelites been in Egypt? 400 years. Do you recognize that the bread they were eating then was the bread of slavery? And it was time to eat the fresh bread of promise. And here's what I mean. If you research Jewish history, when, when young ladies got married, it was, it was common that a mother would pull her daughter in. Let's say that uh, Melanie Allen pulls in Shiloh. Not that you're getting married anytime soon, all right? She pulls in Shiloh, 
And she would say to her, Shiloh, this is our family's bread. This dough I've used my whole life. Your grandmother used it her whole life. Your great-grandmother used it her whole life. When my grandma, when my grandma was married, her mom took a portion of the family dough and she gave it to her so that she could continue. And then when I got married, my mom gave me, and now you're getting married, and I'm giving you a poor, don't forget your family, don't forget your tradition, don't forget your heritage. And it really became a prized possession that was passed along to someone. But for 400 years, that dough had represented slavery. That dough had represented, how long, God? How long? Anybody else, you've been believing for the promise and it just seems to constantly be farther than you can reach? And you know he's given you the promise and you know the one that's promised is faithful and you trust him, but every time you get close, you just can't put your arms around it. How long? How many of you know that hope deferred makes the heart sick? But a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. You see, that dough represented a lot of tears when a husband died while serving as a slave for an Egyptian landowner. It represented a lot of tears of, God, you've given us a promised land, but we're not there yet. It represented heartache. It represented struggle. It represented 400 years of oppression. And the Lord said, I want you to get rid of the old mentality. Get rid of the history. Get rid of the slavery, because I'm getting ready to do something fresh. Now, it's interesting Because even though it represented all this negativity, it also represented family connection and history. And it's hard for us to move on to new things because of the good in the former things. But I want you to know the good of the former things are the enemy of the greater things that God has for your future. The good of the former things are the enemy of the greater things that God has for your future. And I know that while I was contending for the promises, he was faithful. And while I was in slavery, he was faithful. And when it was a struggle, and when I was heartbroken, he was faithful. But because of that, I can throw that old bread down and go, and you will be faithful to the new opportunity, to the promised land, to the victory, to no longer living in oppression, but living in freedom, and owning my own land, and leading my own family, and doing what God's called me to do. Here's a thought for you. When God is doing something new for you, it is not unusual for him to ask something new from you. It doesn't mean that the new thing you're doing is causing him to do what he's doing for you. His goodness trumps your ability to do or not to do. But it does mean when I'm partnering with whatever new thing he's leading me in, it demonstrates I have faith in what he's promised. I have faith in the God that made the promise. And if the Lord's, I can't get someplace I've never been going the same ways I've always gone. And he, some of you have been crying out, Lord, I want deeper things. Lord, I want, I want to see visions. Lord, I want to be used prophetically. And you still spend six, night, uh, six hours a night in front of Netflix. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get to the new vision with the same addiction. 
We've got to break free from the stuff in our lives that keep us from experiencing the promises that he has for us. And I want you to know the promises are worth it. They're worth it. I'm thankful for the bread that sustained me, even in slavery. But my goodness, I'm ready to eat of the bread of my own. I'm ready to eat of the opportunities that he has for me for my future. Let me give you a think about it, and then I'll, I'll move on quickly. The baking of unleavened bread represented a promised, fu- uh, a promised future God was writing for them, and not the history of the, of the oppression that had already been written. I don't want to minimize any of our pasts. Your past have helped create your story. It's given you perspective. It's given you wisdom. I'm thankful for the 49 years of life that I've had. I'm grateful for it. Not everything went the way that I wanted to, but God's used all of it to place me where he has me today in my life. But I just want you to know that the previous 49 aren't going to match the next opportunities that he has for me. The glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Some of you have been waiting for a long time for the promises of God. Some of you have been waiting long enough that you've even said, God, I'm already 55. I'm already 60. I'm already 70, God. When you give these promises, I don't even have enough time left. I want you to know God is going to accelerate your impact in the time that you have to do what he's called you to do in a way that it's going to shake the nations. God even used Hal Donaldson to speak a word over our church on our anniversary last year. He said, the nations will be what? Amazed. The nations will be amazed. When we say nation around here, we followed up with the Greek word for it. What's the Greek word for nation? Ethnos. The ethnicities. It's not just about traveling, even though we enjoy it, or at least some of us do. It's about impacting the different ethnicities for the glory and honor of Jesus and causing them to be amazed at the goodness of the Lord. I got a question for you. Is God calling you to something new? Is he calling you to something fresh? Is he calling you to new opportunities that are going to require new miracles? If he is, you already have the faith deposit that you need to see it take place. One of the things as I've gotten older that I've kind of grown weary of is people talking about how they lived by faith when they were newly married. You know, when we were newly married, we really had to live by faith. We didn't have enough nickels to rub together, and we had it out, and by faith, by faith, by faith. And I I sat in those moments, I'm like, when did faith quit being a part of your marriage? I'll just give you an example. And I'm I'm not saying that Beth and I get everything right. She doesn't. I, um, I don't either. She probably gets more of them right than I do. But every year with Convoy of Hope, when we come into our one day to feed the world, you know what we do? (laughs) We say, Father, what do you want us to give this year? I don't look at the budget. I feel like generosity sometimes can be hindered by a budget. And I try not to think of the practical implications that I've got a house payment, I've got a car payment, I've got a kid approaching college, I've got da-da-da-da-da-da. Anybody else have all those lists of things? I just, I look at that and I go, Lord, what do you want us to do? And what we heard was a number of children that he wanted us to take care of. I quickly did the math and went, okay, that's, that's a little bigger number than I'm, my comfort zone's in. But it's not about my comfort zone, it's about his faithfulness. And if he's leading me to do it, he'll provide the ability to do it. And that doesn't mean that he's going to leave me in a place where I need the church benevolence fund the next week. 
We gave generously. Could you pay our electric bill? Are you kidding me? If we gave generously, that activates the promises of God that meet our needs, not just to meet our needs, but so that we can see what he would have us to do the next time. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to quit looking at our finances by, faith, or by, <laughs> by logic, and we got to look at them by faith. we got to quit looking at our circumstances by logic. We've got to look at it by faith. Let me give you one more thing, and then I'll be done, and all God's people said... Yeah, right. Okay, so look in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. If you've read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 before, you, you probably already know where this is going, and you're going to be like, wow, I can't believe you're talking about it on a Sunday morning. How many you know it's okay to talk about God's Word on a Sunday morning? Even if it is Jerry Springer. How many you know it's, it's still okay to talk about? This 1 Corinthians 5 passage is, is it's whack, as they say, right? It is just out there. Um, there's a gentleman in the church that is having a sexual relationship with his stepmother. How you would agree that that's kind of, have you ever heard the song, I'm My Own Grandpa? That, this kind of takes it to a whole new level, right? Um, when you're, I'm married to my stepmother, wow, you, you need counseling or, or to be executed, one of the two. But there's this gentleman, now I'm going to mention this, and I'm, I'm being sincere. Most of the time in scripture when there's like a sexual problem, the ladies get called out for it. Have you noticed that? And as a guy, we like that. We would rather the, the Bible pick on you than us. I, I'm, I'm not sure why that's the case, but remember, in, is it in John chapter 8, the, it says the ladies caught in adultery and they bring her before Jesus, and I'm thinking, where's the guy? I mean, if you're caught in adultery, how many know it takes two to tango? I don't know if that's the Greek phrase for it, but if you're caught in adultery, there's two people involved. And yet we never hear about the guy but in this situation, it's different. We never hear about the lady being dealt with. We only hear about the guy. Here's my conclusion. It might be wrong, but I think it's because the guy was the member of the church and she wasn't. Now, isn't it great in the world that we live in now, and just be, thank the Lord with me, that because there's so many churches, when we get ticked off at each other, we can just leave and not worry about biblical recon reconciliation. Aren't you thankful for that? Isn't it nice just to be able to church hop whenever you're offended and move on and go to the next? Isn't that, thank you, Jesus, for, no, that, not at all. God wants us to work through it. It was a little more obvious at that time because in Corinth, there was only one Assembly of God church. Oh, wait, I don't know. I don't know if it was Assembly of God or not. So it probably was, but I, I don't know for sure. There was only one church. So when you had to deal with an issue... And actually, if you had to look at a guy that's sleeping with a stepmom and say to him, listen, man, you're not renouncing your sinful behavior while claiming to be a believer. We're going to have to ask you to leave. Now, how many know if there's not another church in the community, you're left kind of isolated? Now, that was the point. Paul even went on to say, and, and you can read 1 Corinthians 5 for yourself. He goes, let the devil have his way with him for a little while. While he's out there getting beat up in spiritual warfare, he'll finally come to his senses and go, what was I thinking? I need to humble myself and go back to my church. And then when he comes back, don't say, never come in, fornicator. That's not what you're supposed to do. You bring him back and you say, okay, what caused the decision? Let's help you walk in freedom so that we continue to go forward in the way that God would have you to go. Here's the problem. Guess what? Corinthian church, they weren't dealing with it. They knew it was going on, 
but they weren't addressing it. That's why Paul said to the church, he goes, your boasting isn't good. In other words, when you think you can handle a situation differently than the way God handles it, you're prideful. He's like, listen, Corinthian church, you might have some spiritual gifts going on here, but you've become very prideful. You haven't dealt with this well. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch. Notice the line, as you really are. Some translations say, as you already are. I'm going to mention this for a second. Leaven, yeast, is powerful. If one little batch of dough laid out overnight could activate the dough for the next day over and over again for 400 years, do you realize that small compromises aren't a small compromise? They're not as... Gloria, uh, Gloria Burnett was our bookkeeper at Faith Chapel for 20 years. For 20 years. And we have office policies in place about how many people count the offering, how many people deposit, how many people sign off. There is integrity and policies and systems to protect everyone. And, I re and Gloria helped us lay all of that out when we started the church 21 years ago. And I said, man, Gloria, this, you have really thought of everything. She goes, well, I was trained by somebody else, and this just protects me. And she goes, and just so you know, I'm not stealing the money here. There's not enough money here to go to hell for. I'm like, good point. I think at the time we had like $300 in our checking account, which meant, I guess, there is a number that Gloria feels is appropriate <laughs> to go to hell for. And many of you know she quit working here last year, so... You can put it together. Uh, there's a reason we don't have a building. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. Please. No, it's all fun. Please do not be the one to put a... Pastor Brad said that Gloria stole the church. She did not. She did not. Little compromises. I remember Gloria walked into the office one day, and she said, hey, just want you to see this. I'm like, what? She goes, I borrowed a stamp yesterday, and at the time, I think there were like 38 cents. She goes, here's my 38 cents. And I go, Gloria, I trust you. She goes, yeah, but I want you to know if I borrow a stamp, I pay for the stamp. We do the same thing. We borrow anything from the office, we pay for whatever we borrowed from the office. It, it's, it's integrity. Here's the deal. A little bit of leaven can work through your whole system quicker than you ever realize. How many of you have ever had a friend, I know it wasn't yourself, you ever had a friend that was in an absolute shipwreck in their life and they never envisioned being there, but it all started with one choice of a conversation they shouldn't have had or one decision of something that they watched that they shouldn't have let penetrate their soul. It was one choice and the leaven spread through. Here's the thing, it's not just individually, it's corporately. I think that's why we call each other to partner with holiness. I'm not saying be holy to make God happy. I'm saying be holy because it's who you really are. I don't, I don't get rid of leaven so that I can become something. I have already become something, and for that reason, I reject the leaven that tries to come into my life. Therefore, keep the festival. What? The Passover, the celebration that Jesus has covered us and he's cleansed us. But don't keep that festival with malice and wickedness. Keep it with sincerity and truth. What am I saying? I guess I'm saying this. 
I've already spent enough time living for the carnal nature in the past. Living for the, the corrupt Brad. He's made me something new. Old things passed away, all things became new. I was lost, I became found, I was dead, I became alive. He, he, he literally made me new. I want to partner with what he's already done. Let's uh, read off these little statements about fresh bread and we'll be done. As fresh bread, number one, we live for Christ rather than living for self. So when I'm making a new start, I really, if his mercies are new every morning, I want to join myself with those mercies every morning so that I can make that fresh. Today's a new day in Christ Jesus. And I want to I make it a fresh day with him. Uh, when we, as fresh bread, we think from a mindset of being God's habitation and not a product, a product of sin separation. Um, I remember we've all went through loss. And as a kid, I thought that, that death meant ending. That when something died, it was over. And then when you finally have an understanding that this life is just precipitory for the next life, you realize that death doesn't mean ending. It means, it means separation or new location. I was talking to my dad's friend, Wayne Long, yesterday. And we were talking for a little while, and they moved into a new house last fall. And he was telling me about it, and I'm, I'm going to be down there in a week or so, and we're talking about the house. And he's like, yeah. He goes, Brad, it's like, a, he's like, it's like my own complex, man. I've got gates when you pull into the house. And I'm like, man, Wayne, my dad would just flip out if he could see that. And then Wayne's like, can you imagine his gates right now? Um, he's like, his aren't wrought iron. His are gold, baby. And I'm like, yeah, they don't call me baby. But yeah, they are. They're, they're gold. And just realizing, even though separation's hard, when you love, it's hard. But it's not an ending. All sin had the power to do was to separate you, not to end you. It just had the power to separate. But Jesus had the power to conquer separation and to reunite us so that not only is God around me, God's in me as a habitation. Know ye not, know ye not, ye are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in me, okay? So I need to think from that mindset. And lastly, as fresh bread, we live according to our new ways and forsake our old ones. Let's uh, go ahead and put up 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2. I'll close with this. Um, when you read it, it sounds really strong, and that's okay. It's God's word. The apostle Peter's writing the church, and he's like, you've already been changed. As a result, they, Christ followers, do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires. The Greek word there is hedonon, earthly pleasures but rather for the will of God. You have spent enough uh, time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Let me just ask you, how you've already spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do? We don't really need to add to it any longer. And he lists some of those things, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. He calls the, but you know what? I've already spent enough time gossiping. I've already spent enough time not forgiving. I've already spent enough time doubting. I've already spent enough time being selfish. I don't want to partner with those 
And I don't want to partner with any of the other things that would allow 11 in. All right, so I'm done. So where do we go with this? The title of the message is Fresh Start, Leaving the Leaven. I believe that Faith Chapel is on the edge of something new. Believe it with everything in me. And we're not going to grab hold of the new thing by continuing to do the former things that didn't allow us to grab hold of it last time. God's calling us into something new. It is deeper. It is more impactful. It is more networked. It is, it is more in line with the prophetic words that have been spoken over our house, that this is a dwelling. Remember the word that was given to us six years ago, dwelling place international. Dwelling places international. Teaching people how to walk and carry the dwelling of the Lord and the ministries impacted are going to carry the presence of the Lord. And I'm saying, Lord, launch us into that. Launch us into that. A place within our community that we own ourselves. That from that place within our community, we're able to, we're no longer under the bread of somebody else's ownership, but we're under the bread of partnership with, God's, with what God's doing. I, I believe God is leading Faith Chapel into a season of unleavened bread with new and fresh starts, and let's get ready to enjoy the ride. I believe it. The other thing is, many of you have been contending for the promises for a long time. And the Lord wants you to know, don't you dare give up. You are on the edge of stepping in to the signs and wonders and miracles that you've been believing for. And every prayer and every cry has filled up the incense bowl of heaven. And that bowl's getting ready to dump out. And God's going to do everything that he promised he would do. You receive it? Amen. Let's stand together. I'll bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. Uh, you, never, you never know on Labor Day weekend who all is going to stay in town. And it is just great to have you together and to be together and to worship together. And I want you to know sincerely, when Beth and I are gone, and I know it's been a little bit more this summer than normal, we, we, this is our house. We love our house. We love this, we love this group. Your generosity is really shaping culture in a lot of places. You're already having more of an impact than you even realize. And we just want you to know that we are so stinking proud of you. And when we get the opportunities to brag on you, we do it with all humility as we brag on you and celebrate you. I just want you to know that. Continue to partner with the goodness of the Lord. And I, I want to challenge you with just a serious word. When God's taking you into new places, a little leaven can hinder you from all that God's promised. It's time to start standing against the small compromises. The little things that we let slip in, don't let it happen, man. It keeps you from being who you are and carrying what you're supposed to carry. And so, God, I bless your sons and daughters today. I thank you that they are men and women of faith. I thank you that they know your voice. I thank you that many of them have dreams at night that you give them. Others see visions and get prophetic words. I thank you that you use them in gifts of healing and, and signs and wonders and the miraculous. But I also pray that they would walk with the fruit of your spirit, 
that they would be strong in love and patience and kindness and goodness. I pray that the fruit of the Holy Spirit would flow through their lives. I ask, Father, that they would be people of integrity, that keep their word, keep their commitments. And I thank you that the holiness that they experience isn't because they separated themselves from the world, but because you separated them from the world. I thank you that they really are a new batch of dough with sincerity and truth. And I pray that this week they'll walk in favor and anointing, blessing, and freedom. And now, church, may God himself bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you.